You want the facts? We want to share them with you. Together, we'll boldly unpack the deeper truths inside the real estate industry's most relevant issues. This is Getting Real with Rob. Here's your host, Rob Namfeld. Hello and welcome to Getting Real with Rob. The Charlotte Douglas International Airport is a huge community asset. Part of that is the involvement of American Airlines and their hub here in Charlotte. As a result, we have Tracy Montross, who is the Regional Director of Government Affairs for American Airlines in our booth today. Hello, Tracy. Hello, Rob. Welcome to Getting Real with Rob. Thank you. It's good to see you, my friend. So before we get into the business side of things, let's learn a little bit more about Tracy. You've held a number of positions both here in Charlotte and elsewhere. Um, Tell us a bit about your background. Sure. I grew up in Northern Virginia, uh, went to Appalachian State for undergrad, went back to the Hill, worked on a um, for Senator Max Baucus for a couple of years and then moved to Charlotte to go to grad school at UNCC. I got my master's in public administration, worked a couple of campaigns while I was in grad school and worked for Freedom School Partners as a nonprofit um, public service fellow doing some grant writing and work for them. Uh, Found my way into the office of Mayor Anthony Fox, worked for the city of Charlotte for just under three years. And when he went to USDOT, I jumped to American Airlines as part of its merger with U.S. Airways. So um, I've been with the airline now nine and a half years. I'm a geek in local government and state government. I know you can relate. (laughs) Uh, And uh, and so geek is a strong term. Yeah, well, I I fit the mold for (laughs) sure. Um, uh, And so it's um, I live in Villa Heights and um, right near Noda. Got, um, I've been married uh, for seven years and have Congratulations. a- Thank you. <laughs> have a uh, four-year-old and a two-year-old boy. So two boys um, and they keep us busy. That's great. So that's kind of the typical Tracy background question. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, do, let's do a little bit more uh, intensive. We're going to do a speed round. Okay. Okay. You ready? Lightning round. Shoot. Okay. So I'm going to ask you several questions. I want you to give us an immediate response. So where were you born, um, hospital name preferable? Fairfax Hospital in Fairfax, Virginia. Okay, favorite color? Purple. Uh, superpower, if you had one, what it would be? Invisibility. Why? Ooh, just to be in the room when people don't know you're there. See what they have to say and how they behave when you're not around. Okay, good. We've learned a little bit more about Tracy. <laughs> um, so what about your favorite sport? Um, I enjoy playing golf. I grew up on a golf course. Actually, my dad was a golf course superintendent. So I earned my allowance as a kid filling divots. Um, and my brother is a golf pro in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. My family plays golf. So yeah, I'd say that's my, my favorite sports part of our, what our family enjoys spending time on. Excellent. So I could talk to you about my lawn. Then. Would you have some tips for me? Uh, no? Definitely not. <laughs> I'd okay. leave that to my my uh, my my father for sure. Okay, fair enough. Um, and you prefer to play as opposed to watch? Do you watch as well? Or I mean, it's always on in the background at my yeah, house. Yeah. But yeah, I, I much prefer to have a beer on the golf course for sure. Got it. All right. Uh, sorry, I bogged down the speed round. Uh, musician. <laughs> Who's your favorite musician? Uh, Dave Matthews Band. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and then what's your favorite city or location? Well, Charlotte, North Carolina no. comes in number one <laughs> come on. always. Of course. Um, of course come on. I'm an ambassador for I know. CLT. I so. know. I know. Um, you know, I, I really enjoy um, uh, traveling and so experiencing new places. And that's been a big benefit of 
this job is the opportunity to get on the road. And uh, my husband and I are going to go to Montreal cool. in June for a quick weekend trip. I love that direct flight. Uh, never been. So I'm going <laughs> to practice. I love how you work that direct flight. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, that's that great. is the perk of being in a hub community. All the access to all these great destinations. So That's great. All right. You mentioned your husband. Last question. Where did you meet him? At a bar in Boone. Excellent. Uh, yeah, we're uh, we, we're both kids from the D.C. metro area. We found each other at Appalachian State um, watching a Duke Maryland game. We were the only people in there rooting for the Terps. So, <laughs> do you remember who won? I think Duke won. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. that's likely. Right? <laughs> okay, great. Um, all right, so we know a little bit more about Tracy now. Yeah. Um, tell us about a typical day. What What's a typical day like? People ask me, and I'm like, every day is different. Yeah. For you, what? Yeah, every day is different. This industry is is mm -hmm. pretty crazy in terms of the uh, variety of issues that we deal with. Um, so I cover seven states for the airline. DCA and Charlotte are my two hubs. Um, so I spend quite a bit of time uh, looking at and tracking legislation out of Raleigh, Richmond, Nashville, Annapolis, Columbia, making sure that um, airport operations and um, whether it's legislative issues on tax or workforce, labor, um, that they're all aligned with uh, our, our interests. Um, and so uh, a lot of state legislative activity, monitoring what's happening at state capitals. And then within airport communities, um, staying close to stakeholders in those, you know, who's, whomever has governance responsibility for the airport. It varies across my territory. But um, here in Charlotte, I spent a lot of time engaging with Charlotte City Council, um, community groups, uh, a variety of other stakeholders with interests, including Rebec. <laughs> Thank you for the shout out. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> the last few years have been a challenge, not just for Charlotte, for this, the region, the state, the, the nation, the world. Um, obviously, that has filtered into the, the airline industry. Um, and some of the challenges with COVID. Uh, what was, during that time, what was kind of your, did you have an aha moment of either, wow, we need to do this differently or wow, why did I get into this? Or, um, oh my gosh, is this going to ever end? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think anyone in the airline industry has PTSD from the pandemic. Um, and yet, you know, so many of my colleagues have been around for decades um, and have seen 9-11 and global recessions and consolidations and bankruptcies. So there, there is um, a lot of resiliency within the industry and, and for team members who have jet fuel in their blood and have seen, you know, a lot of um, a lot of different events. For me, I think the pandemic, the aha moment was, you know, the years leading up to the pandemic and the effort I put into understanding the industry, building relationships and communities, having those points of contacts on the ground were incredibly uh, helpful and, and critical when I was in the midst of the pandemic working from my home office, calling to understand the impact of local ordinances on airport operations. I mean, everything from where you hang signage to what's the distance between people in a queuing line or, you know, when, where, you know, Gosh, for there's a whole host of issues that we were trying to unpack as local and state governments were uh, were you know addressing um, pandemic precautions, and so that was a big aha. Is you know the amount of time that you can spend before the crisis uh, to build relationships, to know the business, to, um, to that will all come in handy in the in the case of emergency. What do you think there'll be uh, things that we've done differently next if if there is a next time around or um you know, what, what sort of things, how, how did it prepare you, I guess, for the next time to act even more quickly? Yeah, I think one of the, the interesting lessons too for, 
at least for American, was as the pandemic was happening, there was this separate track, call it kind of our green flag plan. So think of it from the NASCAR race, right? Where we had this point in which the industry, the um, operation has been pulled down. You know, we're, we're really dealing with the effects of not having uh, passengers in demand. But at the same time, the company was looking at ways to position itself for when that demand returned that we would be ready to run, right? So that green flag on the track uh, would send us going. And so that meant preventative aircraft maintenance. When we weren't flying those airplanes, they were being maintained. Um, it meant uh, looking at our airport operations, looking at our workfo- workforce and the, um, you know, kind of training and staffing that we could do when our, our team members had time to engage in that. So uh, that green flag plan, I think, is uh, a great lesson for any business. When you do have these periods of, you know, peaks and valleys, how do you use those valleys to then prepare yourself for that peak? And a lot of that work happened during the pandemic. And it's a good thing because I don't think anyone fully expected demand to return the way that it has. And uh, and we were ready to, to meet that demand when it did. You touched on the, some of the, the tax-related issues, some of the legislative things. Um, I guess let's delve into the, some of the initiatives that American is involved in right now, both at the local level as well as the state and maybe the federal level. Um, and then let's tie that into kind of what our, our members ought to know and any real estate professionals ought to know kind of going forward. So what are your kind of your main things you're working on right now? Yeah, thanks. And and compliments to Rebic for the work that you guys have been doing around advocacy and government affairs. And you've become um, and are you've always had a presence in that space. Um, but under your leadership, Rob, I'm, I'm really impressed. You've got a podcast to talk about these issues. So you're very uh, kind. <laughs> your, your check will show yeah, up in your mailbox. It's the other way around. Remember, we're a member of <laughs> oh, Rebic, that's right? That's right? right. Um, and it's in part because we recognize that there's there's so much shared value and information that can um, that your members want to know about the airport and that we want stakeholders in this community and grass tops advocates to, to help promote. And so there's a couple of issues that are on our radar right now. Um, I'd say the number one uh, legislative issue at the state level in North Carolina is the extension of the exemption on jet fuel sales tax. And this is an issue that Rebic has been involved in. We appreciate your support uh, in 2015, when the legislature um, advanced tax reform, they also advanced the exemption of business inputs from the tax code. Um, jet fuel is a business input. We can't take off the ground without it. Uh, and so as in 2015, as the legislature was moving towards the exemption of business inputs, they included jet fuel in that. They did put a four-year sunset on it. So it does it did expire in uh, 2020 and it expires at the end, end of this year. And so we have this legislative session to advance a, an extension of the sunset, um, which uh, is certainly valuable to the hub, given that uh, we are you know, 600 flights a day out of CLT. Um, we've got um, 23 countries that we're serving now, 178 destinations. But, you know, 80 percent of our customers never leave the airport. They are connecting passengers. And so when you think about the taxation of the hub, um, you know, you're really we need jet fuel at a, at a co- competitive cost. We need the airport to run in a, a competitive manner so that we can connect all those passengers through and make it the connecting factory that it is. So the, the tax exemption on jet fuel does make a difference and uh, and certainly our ability to fly here at a, in a um, cost-effective manner. Uh, we've also seen across the state that um, having the jet fuel tax exemption has benefited other airports across the, the region. So, um, you know, we've seen incredible growth in Asheville, in Wilmington, 
Uh, Raleigh Durham has had a lot of new service. Uh, Ultra low cost carriers are starting to increase their presence in the state. That's in part because it's better to buy fuel here than it is in Tennessee. Uh, And so we do. Um, we have a good case to make for the extension of the jet fuel sales tax exemption, and I, I hope that uh, it will be supported this year. We did have. Uh, we are included in the House budget, so I uh, hope that that will that will move forward. Great. Do you have any? Do you see any hangups, or, or I mean, just too early to tell at this point? I'm I'm cautiously optimistic okay. um, that it'll be included this year. But again, we track everything that's happening at the legislature and, and who knows about, especially with recent events, sure. um, how that could unfold. OK. All right. Well, we we are we will advocate on your uh, well, along with you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, and again, I think it does. Um, you know, it's an, it's an important issue to American because we're the largest fuel consumer in the mm-hmm. state. We, we also serve about 73 percent of all seats that are available in, in North Carolina on on aircraft. And so um, we you know, this has a big impact for us, but it does benefit all the other airlines that are serving the state. And so we all collectively are, are asking uh, for the support. And we ask that our, our partners who have an interest in the growth of air service, that they would they would support us as well. So the hospitality and tourism community has been really helpful and effective, um, as have economic developers like uh, like your members. Great. Um, I'd say the the other issue that you're hearing a lot about um, is around workforce development. The challenges we're facing within our um, our workforce, you know, not just the labor market and, and issues that everyone is facing, but um, issues around pilot training and recruitment. And then uh, aircraft maintenance technicians has been a big uh, challenge for us and will continue to be. The pilot pipeline really got impacted during the pandemic because we saw so many pilots retire early. And so, and then it also stalled the progression of pilots who were in their training um, from getting their certification on time. And so we, we have this gap right now. Um, it's, it's definitely impacting regional air service. At um, any given time, we have the equivalent of about 100 aircraft that we can't fly because we don't have crews on them. Uh, or to cruise to be able to staff them. And so that, um, that, that means that it's fewer frequencies to stations like Lynchburg or New Bern or um, Pitt Greenville, whatever, you know, regional airport is dependent on that service uh, is seeing an impact. And so we are very focused on building out that pilot pipeline. It starts um, first with Congress and FAA reauthorization will have quite a bit of activity around workforce development this year. Uh, FAA reauthorization Mm -hmm. expires in September. So a lot happening at the federal level. And we're we're looking at how to improve the pilot pipeline, how to improve the pipeline for aircraft maintenance technicians, which requires just a two year uh, A and P certification. Um, And so what can we do as a company to both invest in resources in the communities that we serve and the hubs that we serve in particular? to help build out that pilot pipeline and that AMT pipeline. And I'm really excited that uh, Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools has actually stood up an aviation magnet program at E.E. Waddell High School for the fall 2023 semester. Um, That program will include a build, fix, fly pathway. So for aerospace engineering uh, to build, to uh, aviation maintenance, to fix, and then to fly for that pilot, pilot group. And so this will be uh, open to um, freshmen and sophomores this fall who can then begin their um, uh, at E.E. Waddell, begin that training. And then we're looking to um, 
kind of formalize a, a partnership with EE Waddell so that those students have a path, a path to go uh, after graduation and come work for the uh, largest airline in the world at our second largest hub here in Charlotte. Um, so very excited about what CMS is doing. West Cabarrus High School also has a similar program and great opportunity to, to support students going through that as well. So this is, if you have young people in your life, um, this is a great industry for them to pursue um, great income um, available to both at the pilot and AMT side. So I uh, hope that, uh, that we can get the word out. That's great. That's great to hear. It's interesting how um, some of the similar challenges are, are being faced on the construction and the development side. You know, we have folks that uh, don't have the skills, you know, we're looking for, uh, more of the trades. Um, and so the similar programs have been started at other schools around the area as well. That's right. Those we, kind of things. We actually went to The Rock <clears throat> and got to see that program and how we could replicate something like that uh, for dual credit mm -hmm. uh, with Aviation Aviation Institutes of Maintenance, AIM. They're located over off of 74 um, South, uh, South Independence Boulevard. And they have that two-year AMP FAA training and certification. And so what we're hoping is that juniors and seniors within Charlotte-Mecklenburg can start going over to AIM, begin their credits before they graduate. And then by the time they graduate, they're two years ahead of, or at least a year ahead of through credits of their peers. And then, you know, they're coming out of school and easily make six figures working for the airline. So... That's great. Uh, yeah, great opportunity. But Rock was a, a um, definitely a program we wanted to model as we looked at how to stand this up. That's fantastic. Um, I, I love that. I love that planning for the future and um, and seeing how it pans out. Um, well, and since you you know planning for the future, the other big opportunity. So we've mm -hmm. talked about jet fuel tax. We talked about workforce development. As we look to the future, the other um, issue that is definitely on our radar is around um, the modernization of flight paths and flight traffic within this community. And so that has a lot to do with the impact on noise. Um, and I'll say the airport in 2017 stood up, the Charlotte Douglas Airport stood up an airport community roundtable in 2017 to respond to uh, community complaints around aircraft noise and flight paths. Most, um, the timing of that was related to the FAA's implementation of Metroplex, which was the um, kind of redesign of flight paths in our region. So the ACR, the airport community roundtable has been meeting since 2017 to evaluate flight paths and the impact of noise on communities. And in 2020, they sent a letter to the FAA suggesting some potential recommendations and changes. Um, as a result of that letter, the airport and the FAA and a consultant named Landon Brown are now working on what they call a Part 150. Part 150 is a federally approved program for airports to identify uh, solutions to mitigate noise. Mm -hmm. And um, that Part 150 process has begun. They're working with the consultant to do a lot of data, um, deep data dives into uh, what the existing noise profile looks like in our region, and then also to make recommendations for if you were to change flight paths to improve noise or potentially disperse noise so that um, more communities share it, but there's less of a burden over certain um, you know, communities or um, these kind of finite rails that mm -hmm. we see within flight traffic. Um, so that this process is underway. Um, they will, they've done their first two public meetings, um, but I do hope there will be increased turnout um, through the rest of the, the uh, public engagement. The website to learn more on the Part 150 is www.clt part 150.com. Why don't you say it again? www.clt-part150.com. And on that website, you'll have more information about what is being considered 
as part of this um, this process to mitigate airspace and uh, noise. Mm-hmm. Um, and in doing so, we hope that uh, we will start to look at our region and the flight traffic that's around here for the future. We've been flying the same way for a long time, the same kind of flight path since the 1970s. And hasn't technology changed quite a technology bit? Technology has changed quite a bit. Land use around the airport has changed quite a bit. Um, and there are I think there's some real uh, important questions we should be asking about the modernization of those flight uh, flight paths and our flight traffic, um, whether there are more sustainable ways to fly, um, to reduce emissions, to reduce noise, to reduce jet fuel consumption, which is certainly something, as I mentioned, is very uh, important to to American. Sure. Um, And and then also to, to look at really the the future of airspace in this market. You're the sixth busiest airport in the world based on flight traffic, right? So we have a lot of operations. A lot of them are on these more regional small birds, uh, smart, smaller aircraft. Um, but how do we want to protect CLT for the long run? And looking at flight traffic is an important way to do that. So it, we'd love to see more public engagement, more interest in uh, in this process. Um, the recommendations once the, the community um, submits those recommendations, Charlotte City Council will sign off on them. They'll be submitted to the FAA. FAA will come back to the community. And uh, to the extent any of those recommendations are going to be implemented, we'll kick off a NEPA process and, you know, environmental assessment. But this is the first, pro- the real kind of milestone to, to look at potential changes and improvements for airspace here. And for those who are not um, geeks, uh, the NEPA process <laughs> is the National Environmental Protection Act. Yes, thank you. Um, passed by Congress back in, I believe, the 70s. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that, that that's that's a that sounds like a big change, um, but I think it sounds like a positive change going forward. Um, we will be happy to promote that on our website as Thank well you. Uh, to try to get the. That's the toughest thing is trying to get public engagement, right? Yeah. You want to make sure people feel like they're at the table and part of it. Exactly. And I think there's a big interest for your members in following this, too. I mean, where, you know, where flight paths go and how they are dispersed or not does have an impact on disclosure. It does have an impact on, uh, the you know, the perception of that um, that home. Mm-hmm. or property. Um, and certainly as we think about compatible land uses, we want to see more commercial and industrial uses around the airport. We want to see less residential under flight paths, but we do need the real estate community to pay attention to these issues and be an advocate um, because there's a lot of um, you know various interests at play here. Yeah, no, agreed. And industrial use was actually one of the the, the areas that are compatible for that were, were lacking um, last time when we did the 2040 plan and now we're dealing with the UDO, which, is, by the way, um, implementation date is June 1st, for those of you who haven't been paying attention. Um, uh, the uh, But industrial use and, and how to how that, that that will work near the airport and around the airport um, makes, makes a lot of sense uh, for us to plan uh, uh, going forward. Um, uh, Tracy, is there anything else that we haven't touched on today, either about you personally, although I think we covered that pretty extensively, um, or about what American do. I mean, sixth largest airport or sixth busiest airport in the, in the world, in the world, in the world. Yeah. Um, American, uh, fills what 75% of the seats. 
73 uh, percent of all seats in North Carolina are on American. Okay. Yeah. So how many how many employees? Yeah. Thank you for asking. Yeah. I, I forgot to mention 13,000 employees in the Charlotte region. Um, so representing work groups like pilots and flight attendants, mechanics, um, but also gate agents and baggage handlers. You know, the, the larger economic impact of Charlotte Douglas is like 120,000 employees because of all of the other services that are provided around the airport. Um, but that 13,000, you know, we're the fifth largest employer in Mecklenburg County. Um, in addition to the 13,000 we have here in this region, we have another 2,000 employees across the state, including two reservation call centers, one in Winston-Salem and one in Cary. So if you are an executive platinum member and you're calling the reservation desk, you are likely talking to a North Carolinian. Um, and I, I imagine you're getting that uh, the benefit of Southern hospitality on those calls. Um, but we, we are a major employer in the state. And so, again, we, we do... Um, uh, value very much our relationship to local government because this is where our, our team members live, work and play. That's great. Well, and it, it, it has such a huge impact on the region, both with, with the amount of people that you employ, um, businesses, when they, when they look to relocate to a different place, they look at Charlotte and the Charlotte region because they, they look at our airport and they think, wow, um, we can get folks in and out of there to all kinds of places around, not just the country, but the world. There, there is a reason people keep relocating here, uh, and that's one of them. And we need to always keep that in mind going forward. Well, thanks for saying that, because I think, you know, it is easy to take for granted what it means to have a hub. Um, I've heard before uh, there are communities that have a hub and communities that want to have a hub. And that's the, that's what distinguishes the two of them. Um, and we we do need to find a way to, to protect the asset that we have uh, here in Charlotte. Um, you know, 178 destinations. We're serving 23 countries. Uh, we just added our third daily flight to London Heathrow. So, I mean, we're, we're a major connection uh, now for the Southeast region abroad. Um, but all of that international um, service and you know, nonstop um, domestic service, the strong Caribbean market that we have, all of that is really important for economic development, for, you know, business recruitment. Um, but it is a benefit that local uh, local passengers and local travelers get as well. And so um, I do want to um, just say thank you again to Rebic for helping to elevate the uh, the interests of CLT and its, its growth and um, and potential and, and the hub as well. I mean, again, we're the airport is is uh, not much without a hub. Um, so it, it's Americans investment that has really set up uh, the Charlotte region for continued growth. And uh, and so we're, we're grateful to be a partner here. And I'm grateful to have great advocates like <laughs> Rob um, and Rebic, who are helping to represent the interests of CLT. Well, thank you. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you for your time today. Um, Tracy Montross, Regional Director of Government Affairs for American Airlines. Thanks I like getting time. real with you, Rob. <laughs> I should let you do the sign off all the time. I'll just record it. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to Getting Real with Rob. This podcast is produced by the Real Estate and Building Industry Coalition in Charlotte, North Carolina. Learn more about us at rebic.com. That's R-E-B-I-C.com. We'll talk to you next time.